Hi, welcome to the Not Your Typical Wellness Podcast with your host, Anna and Ashley. We are acupuncturists, moms, and friends here to put it all on the table. Learn and laugh with us as we explore the world of holistic health and discover the tools required to be happy, healthy, and mostly whole. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Ashley, and I am here with Anna. Hello, Anna. You guys. <laughs> as always, um, today on the show, we are excited to talk to you about postpartum care. Postpartum, that very special time after labor, home with the new baby, trying to figure it out. There's a lot to it. It's a super important time. And the system in the US is much different from all around the world. So we're going to talk a little bit about our own experiences with it, about how you can make that time a little bit better, easier, a smoother transition. I mean, you want to kick it off. What did you know about postpartum before you went to Chinese medicine school and you became the enlightened doctor that you are? If somebody would have asked you 10 years ago, what happens during postpartum? What would you have said? I'd have said post a what? Yeah. (laughs) You get back to living your life. I mean, I was pretty sure you just, you have the baby and then somehow you fast forward to this montage of like laughing in grass with children on swings and, you know, cute kids running through flowers and... Your um, hair is done. Your nails are done. My nails are done. My hair is perfect. Yep. You know, everyone, we're all like, we're all like circling together as a family and going on trips and, you know, Mm -hmm. telling jokes. Yeah. Right. That's kind of what I expected. I mean, for me, I think... It wasn't that way. No. I grew up and it was like, well, you have the baby and then you clean yourself up and you, you go for a run, bud. I mean, I'm not, I'm being a little bit sarcastic. I'm doing a little hyperbole, but the idea was like, you have a baby, don't rest, just work out as soon as possible afterwards. So you can get on that us magazine cover that says I lost the baby weight in six weeks and then you get uh-huh. back to work. Am I right? Yeah. Setting records. Yeah. Absolutely. Setting records. Cause that's what we're all here to do, Anna. We're here to set records. We're trying to be better, faster, stronger than everyone else all the time, always, right? Oh, 100%. That's that what we celebrate way. most? That's the American that way. The way to be a good Merkin. But, um, but let's talk about, like, for real, what is the postpartum in American culture? What is that period? Right. So, I mean, postpartum for, for most people is just the amount of time that you have maternity leave, I think, if you're lucky enough to have maternity leave. But I mean, it is that window of time when you, you know, technically it's your fourth trimester. Mm -hmm. It's that window of time when you come home and you are um, pretty much laid up with the baby, just focusing on caring for this new human. You know, you're feeding, you're trying to sleep when you can, you are, well, I mean, you should just be feeding the baby, feeding yourself and sleeping. I mean, that's it. That That's really what you should be doing during the postpartum time. That's, that's what it should be. And a lot of cultures outside of the United States put a lot of emphasis on that time, put the emphasis on not only mother and baby bonding, but also recovery mm-hmm. of the health of the mother. Because right. as you know, the birth experience, whether you have a cesarean or you have it vaginally, is a huge deal for the mother's body. You Oh, right. Recovery. I didn't even mention recovery, but <laughs> yeah. hello. That is incredibly <laughs> obvious. You are recovering, and that is so important. I mean, you know, we joke, but I don't think it is obvious. Did you know that in the United States, yeah. one in four women have to go back to work after 
pregnancy uh, after 10 days of giving birth. Oh my God. That is so, that is insane. Shocking. That is crazy. That's crazy. It's totally crazy. So that is madness. You know, when you get pregnant and you are growing a baby in your body, not only you're growing a baby, but you're also growing an entirely new organ, the placenta, which you lose during the birthing process. In addition to that, your immune system is impacted by the pregnancy process. There's this right. whole well. So I was going to say you you mentioned immune system and that that triggers uh, something for me. We uh, tell us a little bit about that because uh, there's a thing that happens with your immune system when you are pregnant, right? Yes. Your immune system is is sort of it's lowered throughout your pregnancy, right? Yes. So and why is that sick. the case? It's so. Why is it lowered? So that your immune system will not attack the baby and kill it. Right. Exactly. So. While you're pregnant, it's easier for you to get sick. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think nature pregnancy is a gradual process. It's not like, Mm. it's not like the minute you get pregnant, there's a full grown baby in your body, right? You get pregnant, the baby grows over time. Your body changes. The changes happen relatively quickly, but in the scheme of things, it's a slow unfolding process. And the same Mm. happens during labor. It's a slow opening. Your body slowly opens so you can push the baby out. And then after you give birth, it's another slow recovery process. And I think people think like, okay, well, the baby's out of me, back to normal now. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It takes time for your immune system to get back to normal. It's not like it, it's not like your immune system's like, oh, what? No more baby. Let's go back to normal times. You know, you're still bleeding for at least six weeks out from pregnancy. Any more than Mm -hmm. that, you need to seek the care of a doctor. Um, it just, it takes a lot of time. And if you're breastfeeding, you know, which a lot of women I know are trying to do more and more now, that's a whole another set of hormones and, and effects on your body that are going to impact your health, your energy, your emotional health, your mental health. And that's all just a recipe for needing rest and recovery. Exactly. And it's, it's funny, you mentioned that it's a slow process you know, labor is a slow process, but how many women go into labor in, you know, standard Western care and the doctor's like, all right, well, uh, time's up. We got to, we're going to have to do a cesarean or, you know, we're going to have to induce you or um, do something that's not necessarily uh, medically necessary, but do something to push things along because it's not happening fast enough. It's just so in line with our society to be like, uh, labor is taking too long. Speed it up. It needs to, needs to happen a little faster to fit to our schedules, right? Go, go, go. And Get it done yesterday. Go, go, go. And the same with postpartum care. Actually, you know, you, you asked me about post, my own expectations for postpartum earlier. And I, you know, the truth of it is that I, so I was in school when I had my twins and I was so naive, I thought that I would take um, one quarter off, which is three months, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I was just going to take one quarter off. So I was going to take three months off and then I'd be fully back in it. And before, before I, I took one, I was, before I decided that it would be okay to just take one quarter off, um, I was actually thinking that I could like time it between tests so that I would you know, like 
like take the, have the babies after mid, you know, midterms in the quarter and then get back before the start of the next quarter. I mean, I was like, I was shockingly naive in thinking that it would be a quick turnaround. And I, and I put no thought or care into, um, I had no understanding of this, this concept of lying in or a confinement period of, you know, 40 days at least of downtime. So, you know, which is, which is the way it's done in many parts of the world and has been done for thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, thousands of years. Yes. There's a reason why they call it the fourth trimester in, in most cultures, you, the woman is expected to rest for 30 to 40 days afterwards. It's a time not only to bond with the baby, but like we said, to recuperate from the birth, the labor and delivery event. Uh, It's a time for the mom to be um, cherished and praised for what she did, which is incredible. Right. Celebrated. Celebrated. Um, And this is is something that is um, pretty standardized in most cultures. For example, in the Netherlands and Belgium, uh, postpartum planning starts around 34 weeks and it's part of your checkup. So in the United States, you go in, you get a checkup from your OB or your midwife, whomever. They check your cervix, they check the baby, they do all this stuff. In the Netherlands and in Belgium, they say, okay, what's your postpartum plan? Do you have food? Right. Do you have somebody who's going to come in and help you? You know, Do you have a doula who's going to help you breastfeeding? Because by the way, mm-hmm. breastfeeding is not a walk in the park necessarily. No, no. So, you know, in the United States, most women don't see a doctor until six weeks after they've given birth. Right. Six weeks. Which when you, th- yeah, I mean, when you think about the day in, day, day in and day out of your life, it, when you come home with that baby, that's eternity. That's an eternity. That's an eternity. Um, any kind y- of, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You, you mentioned, um, celebrating the mother, you know, this, I, so I, I, and preparing, I have a a wonderful book that my doula, um, who I was, I'm very grateful to have uh, been able to work with this wonderful, wonderful woman, um, who basically introduced the importance of the postpartum period to me and gave me great, um, insights and told me that I needed to prepare food, cook food, you know, Mm -hmm prepare. But she also recommended this wonderful book called The First 40 Days by Hung Oh, uh, The Essential Art of Nourishing the New Mother. And it's a wonderful book and I recommend it to, to anyone um, who is pregnant or it's got great recipes in it. So you don't even need to be pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone <laughs> would enjoy this book. <laughs> she talks about five common themes that are sort of threaded throughout traditional postpartum care. Um, the first one that she mentions is retreat, which is this idea of a confinement period this idea that um, you don't feel like you shouldn't feel like you have to race back to work or keep some busy social calendar. Really, during this time, it's very important to just stay in in your house, stay with the baby, be inside, stay warm. That's her second her second point, and that's keeping your body warm. And I think that has a lot to do with the immune system aspect and then also eating warm foods to help your body recover. 
Um, she talks about support. And so that's the whole, like, it takes a village you need to make sure that you have a spouse or a, a you know, a, a friend or a family member or many <laughs> yeah. people in line, lined up, ready to come help you because you need that help. Um, You're going to need that help. A food train. It's crystal. I love a food train. Absolutely. You get a list. Absolutely. Of, you know, five, 10 people assign them each a date and they drop off dinner that night. That's their job. It's a train of food. That's a great right. postpartum preparation. Right. She talks about rest as the fourth tenant, um, which I mean, that's very self-explanatory, but you know, it can it, be hard. It, it, it can be hard as a woman. It can be hard. When you're sitting at the house and you're sweating it and you're breastfeeding and you look around, you see how dirty the house is. It can be hard to lay in bed. It's you true, clean. and and especially if you're also if you're a woman who has a, a a career, a job. If you you know have a hobby, or if it's if you have a, a busy life before baby, you know, and and now you are, you know, it's <laughs> we get into these it's like our brains get into these loops where we don't even know how to slow down. You know, like if you're so busy for so long, you have a day off and you're going crazy because you don't even know what to do with yourself when you have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you go mm-hmm. on that beach vacation and you're like, ah, I can't do it. I can't rest. It's, you can't actually relax. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it can be really hard. Like you said. Yeah. Um, but it's absolutely crucial. The fifth, thing is um ritual which i think is very cool and i think that's something that we've really lost touch with maybe more than any of the others in this country um at least in my circle uh is ritual is it's celebrating the mother celebrating the woman and you know the there are there are traditions in many different cultures throughout time where there's a some sort of a a ritual, a celebration, a party, a gathering, something that celebrates this rite of passage, this mm-hmm. this incredible event, evolution, mm-hmm. this incredible event, right? Um, she mentions that in India, you know, they'll the women will come and henna the the mother's legs, you know, beautiful intricate henna all the way down her legs. One is a way to keep her still but the other as a way just to, to decorate her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's this idea that everyone wants to hold the baby and no one wants to hold the mother. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, maybe we should have mother showers. We have baby showers, but maybe uh-huh. we should have mother showers <laughs> or I something. Love- so, you know, it's celebrating that, right? Exactly. I mean, I've read a study where the majority of women in the American healthcare system feel totally left behind by Western medicine once the baby's born. There's a checkup right. I think the next day after the baby's born, they check the baby, and then that's it. Right, and then you There's get that six-week checkup. Right, silence. And if you're mom. having trouble breastfeeding, um, any trouble latching, post um, postpartum depression, right. Unusual pain, you're bleeding out of control. There are all these different things that it can Mm -hmm. be difficult to access medical care when you're in such a vulnerable state. Right, because you also you're like, who do I call? I mean, do you call your the because are you calling your um, gynecologist? Are you calling your primary care physician? Are you you know who are you calling? I, Um, I, I mean, I can speak to this. When I got out of the hospital, 
I had planned to have a home birth and I don't want to scare, if anybody's listening to this and you're pregnant, the chances of this happening to you are very slim. You are most likely going to have a very healthy pregnancy. Women have had births, pregnancies for millennia and been fine. I had a very rare set of circumstances. So please do not be freaked out by this, but I wasn't in an unusual amount of pain because I did end up having a birth injury. And I remember being on hold with the hospital for an hour and the baby's hungry and crying. I'm crying because I'm in pain. I can't get in touch with anybody. I finally get to talk to somebody. They can't help me. They got to transfer me to somebody else. And then eventually the whole thing is like, well, you just need to come in. And I'm like, really? Because I'm like trying to breastfeed. The baby's like struggling, latching. Sometimes she is, sometimes she's not. I literally can't move. I'm in so much pain. And you're telling me to get in the car and drive across town like what what it's like these are it's like robots they're robots totally they're so that's ridiculous so in a perfect world we would have women would have you know six weeks off or more right we would have a postpartum doula who comes helps make our food helps us breastfeed that's a perfect privileged world i would love that right or a village of a village of supportive you know women in the community who are going to come you know, and be around you and there's no pressure to, you know, go back to work because there's no pressure to make money because that's all cool and taken care of. Yeah. And this is the perfect world, right? This is a perfect world. You know, obviously that is not the case. So if you're listening to this and you're pregnant and you're thinking, I don't have time to read the the first 40 days. I don't have time to read the fourth trimester, which is an also an excellent uh, postpartum book. Here, what are things that I can do to prepare myself for the postpartum period? And Ashley and I are going to list off our top things to do to get yourself ready. So, yes. I'll, well, I would say, yeah, go ahead. You, you go, go ahead first, first Ashley. No, my, my first top most important thing would be um, prepare food. Yep. Cook food. Start cooking food months ahead of time. Think about, you know, if you have space to get a second freezer of some kind or, you know, uh, keep some food at a, f- a friend or a family member's house in their freezer. But I'm talking lots of frozen food. What kind <laughs> you know? of food? What kind of food? What so, kind of- I mean, we made like spaghetti, like uh, meat sauces, you know, like already prepared, like cook the meat with the spices and the sauce, cook stews, cook... Um, Slow cooked meats, bone broth is a huge, huge one. Um, you know, and 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 that you can make yourself. You could buy a very high quality version of bone broth, but I mean, bone broth is is incredibly nourishing and helps to replenish your body. You know, anytime you cook um, something slowly with uh, the bones of whatever it is you're cooking. Um, you're going to break down that bone. You're going to get all the marrow. You're going to get all the minerals from the bones. So it's packing that with nutrients that are going to help to rebuild your blood, um, help your body to repair itself. Because that's another big part of it, right? That we mentioned It's just yep. recovering. Your your ligaments need to recover. You know, your yeah. You've lost a lot of blood. Bone broth has been shown to help rebuild connective tissues. So when you're pregnant, your ligaments and your connective tissues naturally loosen up because they're getting 
prepared for the birthing process, right? Where your hips naturally separate. That's normal. As you're breastfeeding, if you do choose to breastfeed, you're going to continue to produce the hormone relaxin, which relaxes your ligaments. That's why they call it relaxin. It's the chillest of all the hormones. Right. Which Uh, is very cool. It's very chill. It's a very cool hormone. hormone. So any type of bone broth will help restore your connective tissue after it being after it has been totally stressed out stretched out by the both the birthing and just the general carrying the pregnancy process so my my second one uh would be to to create to purchase in advance some waist binders and some hip binders and this is again to help your ligaments, your joints go back into place in traditional in cultures all over the world, it's been traditionally used both waist binders and hip binders. Um, you should wrap them around your belly and your hips tightly after the birth of the baby, and basically leave it on for six weeks. So it'll help That's prevent. A great tip. Yep, it'll help prevent diastasis of both the abdomen but also the pelvis. So your pelvis naturally separates during the birthing process. You want to help squeeze that, that bad boy back together. So, That's great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my other would be, well, another would be to stock up on some kind of a cooling pad that you can wear after you get home. So, what does this look like? Um, this is what I did. And this is what my doula recommended. You take giant, get giant maxi pads, like the biggest ones, thick, very thick ones. Um, and you can soak them in, uh, water with a little bit of lavender oil, um, and then put them in the freezer. So soak them and then fold them back up and then put them in the freezer and keep them in the freezer so then when you get home, um, if you had, you know, it, it, if you had any kind of tearing, if you have any kind of actual like abrasions or tears that need to heal, um, not to mention just the, the act of a, of a vaginal delivery, if that's what you do, makes you very sore, you're bleeding, but you wear these pads. They're very, very cooling. If you have any hemorrhoids, these pads are very cooling and, and it just feels nice. So that was, a, that was kind of a lifesaver for me. Oh, totally. I did the same thing except for uh, I dipped mine in witch hazel and then froze it. Yeah, that's, that's a great fun. idea. Yep, that's to wonderful. Fo- to follow right up along that, uh, sits bath. What is a sits bath? S-I-T-Z. I, that's right. It's a shallow dish. You can sit in the toilet bowl and basically you fill it with warm water and- uh, You can add herbs. You can add oils. Herbs. And, um, it will help and you can do a little sea salt. If you just want to do a little Mm -hmm. sea salt, it will help heal any tears or cuts that you may have in the vaginal, also hemorrhoids. It'll help heal that area too. Heal the perineum. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, if you do get an episiotomy or if you do just naturally tear a little bit, uh, which is not, it sounds a lot worse than it is. It it does happen. When you say tear, it sounds very scary, but it's it's just a... Honestly, it's a natural, very common, not that big of a deal. Not, yeah. Um, help sitting in that for 15 minutes every day, a little warm water, a little salt, medicinal herbs, if that's something you're interested in, that'll help heal that area up. Absolutely. Um, also, support system. 
mm-hmm. you know, plan, reach out, um, plan visits, figure out when, who you're going to call, mm-hmm. when people are going to come. Uh, maybe it's not just to visit the baby. I'm not talking about just for seeing the baby, but, um, you know, who do you have to help you? Mm-hmm. You've got to think about this and, and plan your support, plan your village because, um, you're going to need help. And I a, yeah, I had a friend who, um, got pregnant and immediately joined a mommy group in her neighborhood. And so yeah. that mommy group has already organized a food train for her. So when she gives birth, the mommy group will be set into motion and the food train will start rolling. So, you know, different meal every night from a different family, but then that mommy group is also her support group. So she can call and say like, listen, you know, I need help with this, that, and the other. So if you absolutely, yeah, if you don't feel like you have friends or neighbors that you can lean on, like there are women out there who have been through this and who want to be there for others. That is great. That's fantastic. Yep. Um, I was going to say, yeah, that's a, that's a perfect option for people who maybe don't have any family nearby or who don't have a partner or, you Mm -hmm. know, right. That support group. So that's, that's a big deal. Um, also, you know, figuring out who to call just like kind of, I think you mentioned this earlier, Anna, but you know, you, you, you didn't even know who to call when you ran into this, this issue with your pain. So when you're not as rested as you're used to being, you're sleep deprived, you're, you're hundred percent focused on these basic human needs tasks of being a new mom and taking care of this baby. Um, it's really hard to sift through, you know, the, the, the logistics of getting through to a healthcare provider and sitting on hold and searching through phone numbers and finding phone numbers. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's confusing and, and frustrating. So yeah, maybe make that like a little list, you know, did you ever make the little list of like emergency numbers that you, you know, the, here's the poison hotline. I mean, I never did, but maybe now's the time. At least just like, <laughs> at least maybe just like make a little list of, um, you know, providers that you could call for medical advice if you run into any trouble or have any issues. Yeah. And uh. you know, something that, that's such a good point, Ashley. And that really reminds me of something like part of the reason I was inspired to create this podcast is, you know, you and I are, we're acupuncturists, we're herbalists, we're in the natural health world. And I took a um, birthing class online because I was pregnant during COVID. So it was online that was very geared Mm -hmm. towards natural birth. And I had definitely planned on having a home birth with a licensed midwife. And basically the poo-poo hit the fan, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) And all the plans went out the window. And despite my best efforts, I, I took a breastfeeding class. Of course it was online, which is like sort of ridiculous, but it was COVID time. So, you know, I was doing the best that I could. And there were so many things I had in my mind about like how I wanted to do it. You know, I was certain, like, I'm not going to use a nipple shield because I took this all natural breastfeeding class that said, you don't need a nipple shield. Um, I wasn't going to need to pump because I knew I was going to be at home for six weeks and I was just going to breastfeed. And then six weeks later, I would get a pump. I wasn't going to use formula, all these things. And like, you do not know how your birth is going to go. And that is 
terrifying in a way because you have to surrender to the process. You have to trust the process. If you're a 76ers fan, you know what that means, trust the process. But you have to surrender to the process. And you would, I would just recommend also just really being prepared. Like I I took this breastfeeding class. They were like, never give your baby a pacifier. It's going to cause nipple confusion. (laughs) If you give them a pacifier, they're not going to be able to latch. By fluke happenstance, we had a pacifier at the house because of my sister-in-law. We used it the first night. We had to, we were desperate and it helped. And we were able to sleep for three hours. And because we were able to sleep for three hours, like we were able to function a little bit better the next day. So like, exactly. Have, if you don't want to use formula, that's great. Have some ready just in case. If you don't mm. want to pump, no big deal. You can get a free pump from the federal government. Get the pump because you do get not the know what have the pump. Happen. Just have exactly. the pump just in case. And if you never use it, give it to another mom, you know, uh, give it yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. That's, but, that's so key. You know, I was so stuck in like, this is how the birthing process is going to be that it, it, it inhibited my preparedness. Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have done that differently. Yeah, that's a really good point. You have to just roll with it, you know? And I think that is early preparation for motherhood, you know, is just <laughs> learning, learning, you know, that you just, you cannot control every aspect of it. You have to, you got, got to just flow with it, you know, roll with it, mm-hmm. be nimble, be flexible. It's mm-hmm. key because yeah, if you know, you, you just, you can't plan all the things that yeah. are going to happen. Um, so Anna, that actually, that, um, yes, that is a great point. And that makes me think about something that happened to me. Um, so while I was in labor, I was in labor for 30 hours and, uh, because I was strep, strep positive, strep B positive, mm-hmm. I had to be on penicillin during active labor. Um, so because I was in labor for 30 hours, I was on, I they did like five rounds of penicillin. So I'm just like antibiotics, just pumping, pumping the whole time. So needless to say this, these antibiotics killed off a lot of my good microbiome after pregnancy or after labor. Um, I ended up getting C. diff, mm. which is a, a terrible bacterial infection. Mm. It caused severe cramping and diarrhea. I could not keep anything in my body. I couldn't keep water in my body. Oh my God. This is while I'm, you know, trying to produce breast milk for these two babies. Um, but yet I can't keep any nutrients in my body. So this is a really serious situation. And this is when they were about a week to a week or two weeks old. Um, so I had to go to the hospital. Um, I was put on a very strong antibiotic called Flagyl. And while I was on this, I couldn't breastfeed. So I was pumping and dumping um, just to keep my supply up. But Mm -hmm. what we then leaned on, we leaned on donor milk. And so this is another option that, that everyone should be aware of. You know, if you can't make breast milk for some reason, and you would like to feed your baby breast milk, you know, you could always look for donor milk. We were absolutely saved by women on a, a face, a mom's Facebook group who were, who had this excess supply and they were just giving away their, their breast milk. So my husband was driving all over LA County, picking up breast milk from all different kinds of women. All over the place. <laughs> it, was, 
it, it was um it was an adventure but it was uh it was a really great option a really great resource for us so yeah. you know that is another avenue that everyone should know is is a possibility if you know yeah. you want to feed your baby breast milk and you cannot make it look for donor milk because there are lots of women who have more than enough so mm-hmm. that was huge That's powerful very powerful yeah, that is huge. I when I found out about donor milk, I was like, "This is incredible! This is incredible!" Yeah, yeah. Did you have to use donor milk? Uh, I for a while. So I had some trouble. The baby had some trouble latching. Although her trouble latching was not actually that terrible, but because of my birth injury, it became too much to try and work through her latching and also work through my birth injury. So I was pumping. Uh, exclusively pumping, which actually there's a website called exclusivelypumping.com, I think is what it is. Oh, made wow. By, made by some lady who exclusively <laughs> pumped, I think for something like two years or some insane amount of time like that. Oh she my was like God, my hero. Oh my gosh. When I was pumping, the one part that I was very prepared on was my food and herbal formulas. And so Amazing. when I first started pumping, I was making so much milk that I was going to donate uh, but then once I got to the place where I could like get my life together enough to like freeze and donate, then my supply started to drop off. So, so you needed it. Yeah. I ultimately needed it. Um, but I did consider donating for a little bit. Yeah, no, that's very cool. I think if you, if you have a, a super supply, I think they, they say, and I think in most cases it, you make more, more breast milk the second time around oh, you're like second second baby is supposed to, you're supposed to tend to produce more breast milk. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but, um, you know, well, I just want to say for all those prego ladies out there listening to this, who are concerned about making enough breast milk, the key to breast milk is eating. You need to eat a ton of food. You should be eating all the time. You should be snacking and eating and eating and snacking and eating like good food. Not like, you know, not for roll-ups, good food. Right. But it's like you're burning so many calories. You're producing food for another person. You just need yeah. to eat. Don't worry what about What is it, 500 weight. a day? 500 extra calories a day burned approximately when you're breastfeeding. Yes. And so that's, that's just, you're just sitting on your couch burning 500 extra calories a day. That is significant. That's significant. Yeah. So you need to eat big, eat big, big, big. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's There's huge. A, that's super important. Like I said, I think we touched on this already. There's a lot of pressure. Like, okay, you had the baby. Now you need to lose the weight. You need to fit back into those pre-pregnancy genes as soon as possible. And I'm here to tell you that's bullshit. You have... Bullshit. That is bullshit. That is bullshit. Yeah. First of all, yeah. you just grew and produced another human being. You can do whatever you want. Okay, guess yeah, what? Yeah, take a load off. Give take yourself a, load a break off. for five, five minutes or 40 days. I mean... <laughs> However long. But the other thing is, is if you, you know, take it, the first year in particular after a child, you're just trying to recover. And yeah. it's like... If you want to go on some nutso insane diet later on, fine. But just for like at least that first year, just like relax and eat the food. Just relax yeah. and eat the food. You know? Here's an that's that's it's true. Just eat the food. You need the food to breastfeed. You need the food to or or to make the milk, right? Not just yeah. to breastfeed, but to make milk. So however you, need the food you just are administering to- it to the child. Yeah. And you need or- the food to recover. Yeah. Yeah, just exactly. recover. You know? And for comfort. 
you know, because it is a really, it can be a very challenging transition mentally. You know, there's no way of knowing until you're in it, what it feels like. It's this shift in your identity. Your life is, will never be the same. You, you, you can't just, I think there's maybe some sentiment about, of like, I'm going to have the baby and we're just going to, we're not going to change anything in our lives. We're just going to like have the baby and just like integrate the baby into our lives. We're just going to take the baby where we go. We're going to keep doing all the things that we did before. We're just going to like bring the baby. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think that's, that's a really tall order. And I think in most cases you find sometimes really abruptly, that is not the case. So, you know, you have to adjust to this new life, this lack of the freedom that you once had to just jump up and go anywhere whenever you want, or, you know, spend really long, have long workouts at the gym or Mm -hmm. go do last minute social activities or sleep through the night. Yeah. (laughs) It's a massive, um, you know, so yeah, you, you need support, you need rest, you need, you need comfort because you are evolving. This is a new chapter in life. Yeah. And, and change is hard for humans. Yeah. You know, it it sure is. I feel for me, you know, I feel like having a baby was like that experience of when you're standing in the ocean and you see a wave coming and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to stand here. And the waves come in and you're like, this wave's not going to get me. And then the wave hits you and knocks you flat on your ass. And you're like, Oh man, that wave really got me. That's yeah. Right. You got sand in your yeah, I know. I feel like life just basically like kicked my ass off of a cliff. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Like, Here you go. Never, never going back. Like we're going to close this chapter, this pre-baby chapter, and we are going to open this new chapter. And it's There's beautiful. There's no going back. There's no it's going back. Incredible. It's yeah. incredible. It's beautiful. Would want to. And you got to just be prepared to take care of yourself during this process. And it's, and again, yeah, people just don't talk about it. So here's another thing that we haven't mentioned yet. The placenta. Oh yeah. You know, you mentioned we're growing an organ. What is that organ? It's the placenta, right? So Mm -hmm. this, this is a, a brilliant, powerful organ that is providing your child with nourishment. And this placenta can be encapsulated after so so after so when you have the baby you have the baby you deliver the baby and then you deliver the placenta and i mean this is this is something that's been done for thousands of years all over the world many cultures do this you know many people do it in the us as well it's starting to catch on more and more i think it's pretty normal now mm-hmm. but it's really helpful if you consume the placenta because it can help your body replenish blood it can help give your body the support it needs to recover. And it is also, it's supposed to help with your milk supply. It is also supposed to be very supportive in, in preventing uh, postpartum depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can have the placenta dried and encapsulated. You can also have it put into a tincture, which is an alcohol based supplement that will allow you to keep it for a very long time, even years later. Because sometimes, um, you know, postpartum depression happens much, you know, many months or even a year or more after you have the baby. 
Yep. So, you know, it, it's also great for your immune system. It boosts your immune system. So anytime you get sick, you can take some placenta drops or capsules. Yeah, totally. Totally. And if you're in some place where it's not feasible for you to either keep your placenta or encapsulate it or whatever, that's not a resource that's available to you. There are Chinese medicinal herbs that replicate that effect. Exactly. For me, my husband and I, we plan to have our placenta, my placenta encapsulated. And we were just so overwhelmed when the whole birth delivery process happened that we just kind of dropped the ball. It's a long story, but we weren't able to do that. But I was able to find some Chinese herbs that replicated what the placenta would do. So don't feel like, oh, I, I don't know anybody here in my small town that does the placenta. Like there are other options for you. So you know, right. Um, right. And another thing that you need to check on with the placenta, if you are having your baby in a hospital, you need to check with the hospital. And of course, again, this is, if, if you feel, if you, if you can do this legwork ahead of time, um, check with the hospital and, and see what their policies are. Because when I was also planning to have my placenta encapsulated, but, um, I didn't look into the policies at the hospital and they would not let me leave with the placenta. They required, me to leave it with them so they could take it to their lab to do testing on it to make sure that there was no pathology that would be then, I don't know, spread to the outside world. Um, And they could not guarantee that they would be able to keep it cold or, you know, keep it in a safe environment for me, basically. So, um, so I never did consume it because they, they didn't get it back to me for 48 plus hours and I had no idea what kind of conditions it had been in. So um, it, they're actually, both of the placentas um, are in our freezer still, and we are going to plant them. Oh, yeah. So that's another option for the placenta. If you don't consume it, you can plant it, and it's very nourishing for soil too. This has been a crash course on postpartum care, what other cultures do where the United States lacks, and how you can give yourself that 40 days of care and confinement, even if you have to go back to work sooner than that, even if you don't have a lot of resources around you. We, Ashley and I are trying to give you tips for you to create that safe nurturing space for you to recover. Because if you're listening to this and you're going to have a baby or you did have a baby and maybe you're currently in your postpartum phase, We see you. We know how hard the recovery can be for some people, not for all. Yes. And Mm -hmm. you are not alone. And if you have any more questions or, you know, didn't understand something or want some resources, please reach out to us on all our social media handles. We'll link um, some of the books we've talked about and things in the show notes. And also the links to our social media will be in the show notes. So you can reach out to us. We're more than happy to help and provide a network of support. Absolutely. Yeah. Preparation is key in this time. Yep. And if you were like me and you were so freaked out, it was difficult to prepare. It's okay. Just do what you can. It's all you can do. All right. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much, you guys.